Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast, hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Well, hello and welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. This is your host, nutritional therapy practitioner, Jessica Tai here, and this is episode number 96. So as always, I say it every single week, I'm sure you guys could like know what I'm going to say every time you listen to the podcast, right? Be like, you know, the first few lines. So I try to switch it up a little bit by adding all this um, banter here, but (laughs) I'm very happy to be with you again this week. And I mean that I really am. It's so funny. As I was saying that it kind of made me remember. So my dad passed away a few years ago and I, I have a message, a a voicemail that he left me on my phone that I've saved um, all these years. And if anything happens to that voicemail, I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> um, but it is, you know, I, I can't listen to it very often. It's kind of painful to listen to if that makes sense. But at the same time, like it's comforting to know I have it and I can hear his voice anytime I want to. And it's almost like he's still here because it's a voicemail on my phone, like he just left it. But every time I listen to that voicemail, it cracks me up because I know exactly what he's going to say because every time he left me a voicemail, he said the exact same like eight words in the beginning. <laughs> Hello, Jess, this is your dad. <laughs> like, like I wouldn't know who it was. <laughs> Uh, it was just funny. So when I was just saying that, I was thinking to myself, that's just like that message my dad left me. I say the same thing at the beginning of every podcast. <laughs> I guess we really are creatures of habit, right? So um, anyway, let me get on with the podcast today. Um, I am getting ready to shoot out of here in just a few minutes. I am recording this intro on Monday, September 23rd, and my husband and I are headed to California today. Um, We are actually leaving here in about two hours to head for the airport. Um, Our flight leaves this evening. We are leaving all five kids behind with my sweet mother-in-law and father-in-law who are going to take over uh, for the first few days. And then our nanny who is off to college, but she's coming home for a long weekend um, to watch the kids for us uh, for the last part of the week that we're gone. So um, it's going to be a fun trip. I'm really looking forward to it. It is for business. It is a work trip. We're attending a conference, um, an entrepreneurial conference that we are a part of this um, mastermind group. And um, it's a pretty big conference, pretty good sized conference. It's out in Vacaville, California, which is in the Napa Valley region. So um, we're going out there and we are flying out a day early and coming home a day late because we are going to um, do bookend fun days. So while the whole week is business focused, um, Monday, or I'm sorry, Tuesday. So tomorrow we will be wine tasting in Napa Valley. And and that's, we're really excited because I've never been to Napa. My husband's family lives in Southern California and we've been out there many, many times visiting them, but we have never gone any further than, um, 
you know, up the coast. We just stay <clears throat> kind of in the in the um, southern, what you would consider southern Cali. I mean, when you think of southern Cali, it's that's where they are. Um, they're right in the LA area and um, all the the beaches, Santa Monica, and, and all of that. So that's where we kind of always are. So we've never been um, this far north. So we're really excited. Never been to Napa Valley. And as you probably know, if you've uh, listened to me or followed me for any length of time, you know I am a huge wine fan. And um, so I. I'm really excited. Some of my favorite vineyards are in Napa Valley, and um, that's I'm very excited. I'm excited to see them and uh, do some tastings there. Have some great food, and um, it's going to be really fun. So that is uh, tomorrow. We'll be doing that, and then we return on Sunday. And Sunday we're going to um, be the morning and well Saturday night, and then uh, the morning of Sunday and Sunday afternoon we're going to be in San Francisco. So I've never seen the Golden Gate Bridge, never been to San. Francisco. So we're going to do that too. So very exciting. Uh, if you're listening to this and you have some must sees or must do's, um, please send me uh, an email. Um, I would love to hear any advice that you guys have or things. I hopefully will get it before uh, we leave the area. So if there's anything you guys are like, oh my gosh, you have to do this, I will try to fit it in. Um, we are, uh, you can send that to jessica at jessicatai.com and I'd love to read that. And then one more thing before I get into, today, into today's interview, which you guys are going to love. So stick around. It's going to be a great interview. Um, I am talking to the founder of Catalina Crunch which is a keto cereal company. He has a really great story as to how he got to um, this, creating this cereal company and kind of his health and his journey. And I think it's really awesome. You guys are going to love it. And um, I'm really excited to introduce this cereal to you guys. My kids love it. And so um, so I think it's going to be great. But before we get to that, I just want to let you know that I have a huge announcement that I'm so excited. I wish I had like a drum roll or like a band playing or something and I'm not fancy enough to know how to like do sound effects on this podcast. So, so um, anyway, the big announcement is that I've been kind of teasing you guys and telling you I'm going to have my keto classes out. And I know I've received so many messages from you guys. Thank you so much for your patience, but it's finally here. So you can go to my website today as you're listening to this podcast, September 24th, 2019 should be when you're listening to this. Um, and you will be able to go to my website right now, jessicatai.com and you can click on the link and you can um, get more information about the class. You can um, purchase it. You can do all that fun stuff. You can read all about it. So um, it's awesome. It is a six, it's designed to be a six week course. So I built this class. I designed it for the online community. So I'm really excited about that. Um, it is the class that I gave live um, when I offered the live class a few months ago and uh, had an overwhelming response to that class. It was really awesome. So um, I went back and re-recorded all of the uh, of, of each week. So it's one hour, approximately a one hour session for every week. So it'll take you six weeks unless you're an overachiever and you want to do a one hour a day and get it done in six days. That's totally up to you. 
But however you want to do it, I do hope that you will shoot over to my website and grab that information and I hope that you'll purchase it and join me for those classes. So all of the classes are pre-recorded so you can take it at your own pace, which I think is really awesome. But the really cool thing is, is included in the package when you buy these classes, not only do you get um, numerous um, great PDFs that I had created. They're beautiful. Um, had all of those done. You will be emailed all of those. So it's a lot of really great information. You get a workbook that comes with the class and um, you're going to get all of that great information, grocery shopping list, all kinds of great stuff. My, my top recommended supplements, including some that you can only get through a practitioner like myself. Um, so great, uh, some great, I think, things to go along with the class. But what I really love too is that included is your admission into the Facebook my private Facebook page, which um, you have to be a client or have taken my class in order to be in that group. And I do a once monthly live um, Facebook call in there. So I also send out, I post the Zoom link. So I do it through Zoom and it also broadcasts through Facebook. So you can join me um, in that Zoom classroom if you would like, and then you can actually interact with me um, right through that 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 call. So I stay on the call as long as I have questions coming in and however long people want to talk. Um, so I am on that call. Or if you prefer to just tune in through Facebook, you are welcome to do that as well. And um, while you can't talk directly to me through Facebook, you can type your questions or any comments that you have um, of course, and then I can answer them that way. But it's really cool. It's it's the next best thing to being a one-on-one -on -one client. Um, you know, I'm, while I don't know all of your history, I am at least able to help you with your keto journey and kind of what you're maybe what you're struggling with or celebrate with you in the things that are going really really well. And I just love to have that interaction with you guys. So if you um, purchase the class, you will be in that, and that is every. I mean, you are in that forever. So, and I do those calls every month. Sometimes I'll do bonus ones, but um, in general, <laughs> it is one time a month and, um, and you can join me on all those calls. So I think it's really fun. It's a great way to um, to kind of get more information and be interactive and and have an expert kind of at your fingertips that you can, if you have questions, you can you know ask those live and in person. You can also post your questions or any comments you have in that Facebook group, and I always respond to those, um, as well as sometimes some of the other group members will, um, which is really great. It's a great community, and it's just super. So I hope you'll join me there. So okay, enough about all of that stuff. Let me get on to the interview that I have today, I want to introduce my guest to you. My guest today is Krishna Kalyanan, and he is the founder of Catalina Crunch Cereal. So he has never run from anything, including a life-altering diagnosis. After managing type 1 diabetes for years, he was frustrated with the lack of healthy breakfast options and decided to do something about it. As the founder of Catalina Crunch, Krishna prides himself on helping healthy eaters everywhere discover that low-carb breakfasts don't have to sacrifice flavor or fun. I want to welcome Krishna, and I know you told me that it's okay if I butcher this, but I don't want to. Kali Annan? Kali Annan? Kali Annan. Yep, that's right. Thank there you so you much. To the Keto Lifestyle <laughs> Podcast. How are you, Krishna? Good. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. 
Good. So I'm excited to have you on. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your company, Catalina Crunch. And But before we get into that, can you kind of tell me a little bit and tell my listeners a little bit about you and kind of what your... Um, Kind of what your journey's been that led you to this kind of keto world? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, as you said, I'm the founder of Catalina Crunch, um, but uh, my journey started long before then. Um, it was about 10 years ago, actually. I was a um, senior in high school uh, going into my freshman year of college, um, and I was diagnosed with both um, type 1 diabetes and uh, epilepsy in the same month. Um, and so it was not a good month. I also had an ACL uh, tear that month as well. So it was a bad month, a very bad month from a health perspective. Um, and that is actually kind of what led me here. You know, before these three uh, uh, injuries slash diseases, I was a rather, you know, unhealthy uh, 90s baby eater, I guess you could say. Um, I, uh, ate a lot of fast food, um, you know, ate a lot of cocoa puffs and cinnamon toast crunch for breakfast, um, you know, all that sort of thing. And it didn't really matter because I was young, I was playing a lot of sports, I was really active. Um, but, you know, then you start to get these diseases. And then all of a sudden, you know, those sorts of things start to make a big difference. And, you know, you're also going off to college. And uh, so you're not at home and, and, uh, and you're also not exercising as much, you know, um, and so studying more and whatnot. Um, and so, that was kind of the beginning of it for me, you know, prior to being diagnosed with diabetes and epilepsy, my dad was a, a total health nut and, and, uh, also a doctor and, and I was like the exact opposite. Um, but then once I was diagnosed, uh, actually my epileptic doctor recommended that I go on keto, um, and give that a try. Um, and not a lot of folks know this, but keto was actually developed by, um, folks in the, in the, uh, kind of neurological community. Um, who had thought that it could be an interesting way for epileptics to control seizures, um, thought it could be an interesting way um, to to help mitigate that or reduce the amount of medicine you have to take or whatnot. Um, and so I gave that a try, and that was that was ten years ago. So uh, keto was not sexy or hot or exciting, you know, back then, um, and not very many other people were doing it. Um, and I just kind of you know, fell in love with it. Um, you know, I, I fell in love with it partially or mostly because it really helped out actually with my diabetes um, and made it so much easier for me to manage my blood sugars that it was just kind of like a no brainer from that perspective. Um, you know, I was just, you know, I was in college, you know, trying to make friends, uh, you know, far away from home, you know, cause I was going to college in Philadelphia, but parents are from California. And so there's a lot changing at the same time and, and managing, <laughs> diabetes was something that I was very frustrated with having to test myself all the time, um, eating the same stuff all the time. Um, you know, not exactly sure whether my blood sugar is going to be too high, too low, getting used to all that while having all these other things going on, um, was very difficult. And then, and then going on keto made that very easy. Um, so I could focus more on school, focus more on the life transition, making friends, stuff like that. So, um, just, just stuck with it ever since. Wow. That is an interesting background for sure. And you definitely had a tough year. Um, so um, a lot of my listeners actually might be familiar with keto for epilepsy because my youngest daughter is also epileptic and we okay. immediately started her on keto. And so we've talked about, um, I've talked about that a little bit on the show, but I think it's very fascinating that you actually had a neurologist that was treating you for epilepsy that would even mention that to you. 
because that's so often that's not the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I, I was very lucky in that regard and very blessed and grateful for that. Um, I think, uh, yeah, my, my doctor is, is a more, um, I think like kind of research driven and academic and, uh, you know, type, um, uh, you know, him being attached to a university, university college, uh, um, you know, medical research hospital of sorts. Um, so he was very familiar with the, uh, new papers that were being written, new ideas that folks were talking about, things like that. And, and I always, you know, my parents always took a very, the similar sort of approach to um, medicine and also to finding doctors, which was looking for a doctor who was more um, innovative. Uh, they would even you know, look for younger doctors, uh, folks that were more willing to try new things, experiment, things like that, you know, looking at what's the best uh, for you on the cutting edge of, of technology and on the cutting edge of medicine. Um, and so, yeah, I was very lucky to get that. Not everyone, it's going to be the case, absolutely. Yeah, you really were. That's amazing. I think that's fantastic. Um, and it's so I'm kind of curious, though, with the diagnosis of epilepsy and type 1 diabetes um, coming on the heels of each other like that. So your neurologist talks to you about keto diet, which is great. You start that, which obviously is helpful for type 1 diabetes. However, often doctors are very against uh, type 1 diabetic even trying keto. You know, they hear the whole scary, you know, ketoacidosis thing. Um, so how did your doctor feel about that when you, I mean, did you, was it, was it the keto before being diagnosed with type 1 or did you talk to the doctor and told him you were doing keto for epilepsy? Like what, how did that go down? Yeah, yeah. Um, my type 1 doctor uh, did not um, uh, know really about keto uh, at all or had heard of it, you know, 10 years ago when I decided to give it a try. Um, and so, yeah, the, my doctor was initially uh, uh, worried <laughs> um, uh, because of the whole ketoacidosis thing. And, you know, ketoacidosis is a big uh, uh you know, that, that's something you're trying to avoid as a type one diabetic, right? Uh, because that means that you are, um, you know, you're not taking enough insulin and uh, your sugars are typically running high and whatnot. Um, and, and it causes a lot of problems as far as, as, far as um, healthy functioning of organs. Um, and so that was something that um, he was worried about at first. Um, but then when we, he also, you know, went and did some more research and you know, we went together through the differences between, you know, nutritional ketosis versus mm -hmm. ketoacidosis. Um, and, you know, I think that's a very big difference uh, worth right. mentioning, obviously. <laughs> um, and so we went through that. And then, yeah, I think the other thing was kind of, you know, we took a more, let's monitor it more closely approach, right? Since it was, keto was very new at the time, it was very experimental. Um, and, and we weren't sure what was going to happen. So, you know, I got blood work done more often, um, was looking at the A1Cs a lot. Um, but then was also uh, doing uh, tests for ketoacidosis. So at the time I was buying these, um, you know, like urine test strips. And, and I think as a diabetic, it's pretty simple. Like you'll have like really smelly urine if uh, you're in ketoacidosis, um, but you can buy these strips and you can test as well um, that way to make sure that you're not in ketoacidosis. And so through doing those two things, you know, my, my diabetic doctor really came on board with it um, because you saw my A1Cs dropping and, you know, I was reporting no ketoacidosis and we weren't seeing any ketoacidosis when we did, um, you know, urine test testing at the lab and whatnot. And so we, we just kind of kept with it. 
That's awesome. So do you use keto then to manage your diabetes or do you, how does that work? Is that helping? Yeah, yeah, no. So I've, I've been doing it ever since. And in, I mean, it's extremely, it makes managing your blood sugars extremely easy. Um, you know, basically the more sugar carbs that you eat, um, you know, in a, in a meal, the more your blood sugar is going to go up and then the more insulin you're going to have to take to, um, to bring it back down. Um, and if you don't eat any carbs or any sugar, you eat very few carbs, you know, or sugar, um, then it, then you take much less insulin. Um, and so it saves you a lot on insulin costs. Um, and then, you know, it just also makes it a lot, a lot easier to, to manage because the more your, your blood sugar is going up, um, the more difficult it is to both time it and get the amount of insulin, right. Um, whereas when you're eating very few carbs, it's much easier. Right. For sure. That's great. We, I know I've got some, some friends and some family members that do struggle with type one diabetes and they're very nervous about it. Um, and I, it seems to me from an outsider's perspective and I don't have to deal with it. So I try to not, you know, not insert my opinion too much because it's, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's not me going through it, but, um, it would seem to me like exactly what you just talked about. If you're, if you're not administering, you know, we, being able to administer the insulin, which you know this, um, preaching to the choir, but giving someone insulin versus your body doing it is is hugely different. And there's it's such um, such tiny little incremental amounts can make huge swings in one direction or the other. And um, it would seem like if you had to um, not administer as much insulin or as often, or if it was more controlled with your diet, that it would just be an all around better way to go. But it seems like doctors are often um, reluctant to tell clients that they just, it's like, just, nope, go ahead, eat your normal diet, cover it up with insulin, you're fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm not so sure why they're so reluctant um, to, to you know, to put it this way. Um, I guess like, you know, one thing is, is that there's a lot of changes happening in nutrition all the time. So I think, uh, you know, folks in the medical community are, are hesitant to give much in the way of nutritional advice in general. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's so, it was so obvious to me, you know, when you get diagnosed with diabetes, you have this diabetes educator who comes in and teaches you how to count carbs, and then teaches you how to inject insulin into your body. And the first thing you realize is, is oh, if I don't eat any carbs, you know, I don't need to inject any insulin into my body. <laughs> right. So freaked out by the idea of injecting insulin into your body. At least I was, you know, I was not uh, you know, interested in, in sticking that needle into my stomach. And I thought it was going to hurt a lot. And, and, you know, it just seemed very icky. You know, I didn't want to feel like a, like a drug user, or like, you know, like a heroin addict or something like that. Um, so I was very, 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 uh, you know, not wanting to do it. And so that, that sort of just like clicked in my brain right away. That's awesome. Okay, so let's um, so let's go forward a little bit to how did Catalina Crunch come about? Like, how did you? So you're in college. Um, yeah. What are you? What are you in college for? What are you studying? Yeah, yeah. Well, so Catalina Crunch came a, a good a good bit after college, um, but I was in college and I was studying engineering and business. Okay. Um, and my issues with uh, uh, kind of you know, maintaining uh, keto or making keto easy, that's really where, where it started. You know, I uh, um, like to say that when I, when I first um, decided I was going to try out keto, I went to the grocery store expecting to find 
an aisle of low carb foods, <laughs> um, which would make it easy to, uh, to, to kind of keep the lifestyle up. Maybe so, today, but not 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was very much expecting that. And I went to the grocery store and, I, and there was no such aisle. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, I also found it interesting, you know, I was, you know, used to eating cocoa puffs and cinnamon toast crunch for breakfast. Um, and I thought, you know, I've never explored maybe the entirety of the cereal aisle um, under this microscope, kind of, you know, looking for something low carb. But I, but you obviously know going into the grocery store all the time that the cereal aisle is massive, right? Um, you know, it can be like a football field long in one direction. And so I just kind of assumed I would go into the cereal aisle and just go look in another part of it or just examine the boxes and I'd find some options that were low carb. Um, and I didn't find any, you know, any at all. Basically, I started looking at the ingredients and every single box of cereal is, you know, made either using wheat flour or corn flour or rice flour plus sugar. Um, and so that was, you know, very disappointing. <laughs> and so I kind of was going, down, going around the store and not, not finding too many things. Uh, eventually, I basically came upon nuts um, and then I came upon eggs and obviously like meats and cheeses and things like that. Um, and that was, you know, not ideal because, uh, well, you know, like, um, meats and, and cheeses, and, well, you know, being a college student, like cooking, mm -hmm. you know, like cooking steak all the time or something is not a reasonable thing. You know, it's very expensive and it also requires a lot of cooking. Um, eggs are, are, are very cheap and easy. Um, obviously not as easy as cereal, but I, so then I started eating eggs for breakfast um, and I got very sick of that, um, right. you know, after a while. <laughs> Which eggs are great. I think that's a super breakfast, but at the same time, you're admittedly used to eating Cocoa Puffs and Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's a hard transition. Yeah. It's hard to just be like cold turkey. You're going to give that stuff up. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's definitely difficult. Um, and I was not happy about it. Uh, you know, I started doing different things with the eggs and cooking them in different ways and putting different like hot sauces on them and stuff like that. Uh, but it just got boring after a period of flavor, basically, and eating that every day. Um, and so that was the, um, you know, I guess kind of the crux of the issue. Uh, and I kind of, you know, but I stuck, I stuck with it. I didn't really have any other options. Um, and so then it was about two years ago um, that I started Catalina Crunch. Uh, and it was actually sort of by accident. Um, my girlfriend at the time, she was eating, she likes to eat all sorts of fun stuff. We live in New York City. And so she's eating, you know, like acai bowls or fruit smoothies or pancakes, waffles, you know, French toast, um, <laughs> you know, like donuts. All the stuff uh, that you not uh, Sorry, not donut sandwiches. <laughs> um, yes, exactly, exactly. A lot of bagel sandwiches, a lot of things like that. And I was just fed up of eating, you know, hard-boiled eggs while I watched her eat this, you know, magnificent bagel sandwich with like egg and bacon and guac and, you know, a, 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 you know, an everything bagel or whatever. And so I, I, you know, I just, I just got put up with it um, and just kind of happened at the time to be experimenting with low carb baking. Um, and start, and so I started experimenting with a kind of cocoa puffs recipe based on some low carb crackers that I had made. Um, and that was how, how Catalina Crunch originally got started. That's cool. That's awesome. So there was a need for it in the market. You wanted it and you just came up with it on your own. I love it. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, I was, you know, I was, I was, I was actually just to be honest, you know, I wasn't thinking about it uh, as a business. Um, I was just kind of making it for myself. Um, and so 
several months went by where I was just eating this myself. I would basically cook it in large batches on like a Sunday and then eat it throughout the week and then cook it again and then eat it. Um, mm -hmm. And it was kind of by accident. I was in the park one day in Central Park um, seeing a friend and he, <laughs> funny enough, had, had gone on keto and he was sick of eating eggs for breakfast and he was <laughs> telling me about this. And I told him how I was making these like kind of keto cocoa puffs out of my kitchen, um, you know, baking uh, and I was using almond flour and coconut flour and things like that. Um, and he was like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to try some of that. And I'd been experimenting for a little while. And so I'd gotten to, to eating something that tasted pretty good. You know, I was eating it with unsweetened almond milk. Um, and it was a very welcome departure from, <clears throat> you know, from eggs. And so I gave him a plastic baggie of it one day uh, after I made some the following week. Um, and he actually, you know, he loved it. <laughs> and he Venmoed me for it, actually, and asked me <laughs> more. Uh, so that's when I kind of first realized that, you know, I could par perhaps make money selling the cereal. Uh -huh. um, and then I, but still didn't really do too much about it. I was just kind of giving him some and then making some for myself. Um, but over the course of an, you know, a few months after that, he had more friends who had the same problem and he had told some of his friends about it. And so he had like friends and then friends of friends who are asking to try the cereal as well. Um, and there was one Sunday, I remember I had literally baked bags of cereal for 11 different people. Um, and I had decided, you know, it, that, at that point I was having to do like multiple batches of the cereal because it wasn't all fitting in the oven or in the pan where I was making the dough. Right. So I'd have to make two batches of dough and then, and then put it in the oven twice. And I, I was just like, you know what, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not making, you know, I'm not going to spend four hours every Sunday making cereal, you know, for 10 extra people, either I need to stop it <laughs> and tell them, sorry, um, <laughs> or I need to turn it into a business. Um, and I ended up turning it into a business. So that was how it got started. That's awesome. I love it. So how do you, so once you've created this into a business, you're now making this product, which is excellent, by the way. Um, my kids, both you had sent us the cocoa version and the um, cinnamon, and oh, they okay. love them both. Um, awesome, excellent. Awesome. So what yeah. other flavors do you offer? Yeah, um, good question. Um, so we, so our first flavor was dark chocolate. Um, our second flavor was cinnamon toast. And those were basically based after my two favorite cereals growing <laughs> up. <laughs> um, and then we launched maple waffle, um, which was based off of waffle crisp, mm -hmm. uh, a cereal which they unfortunately discontinued. I feel like it's so sad because it was such a good cereal. <laughs> um, but uh, so we're trying to revive it here. Um, and then we also have uh, honey graham. Uh, which is our most recent flavor we launched. Um, so we have those, those four flavors of cereals. Um, and then we actually just recently launched these uh, cheddar cheese bites, um, which we're kind of affectionately terming uh, keto Cheez-Its. Um, and so uh, that's the newest thing that we have going on. Um, but uh, yeah, those are, those are the, you know, what we have available right now. That sounds awesome. I'd like to try the cheese ones. So I'm just wondering, is there, um, is there a Captain Crunch flavor in the works by chance? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, we're working on a lot of different, on a lot of different flavors. Um, you know, we have now at this point, you know, I think almost 100,000 customers and folks are asking us, uh, you, know, I, you know, we want to try new things, try new things, try new things. You know, we have folks who have been with us for a year now and, and they just been eating, you know, chocolate cereal or cinnamon toast. And they love when we, when we introduce a new flavor, because it's like, okay, something new to try, uh, something exciting, you know, see how this tastes. And so 
um, yes, we are, uh, we are working on all sorts of, of new flavors. That's exciting. Yeah, I think um, I grew up, well, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. I'm just a little bit older than you. But my cereal of choice was Captain Crunch or Apple Jacks. And uh, okay. my mom used to tell me, you're going to turn into an Apple Jack if you don't stop eating that. <laughs> <laughs> we pretty much survived on Apple Jacks and Captain Crunch. <laughs> Oh man, that's too funny. That's too funny. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've had that. I know better than to even try because it, it'll probably, you know, I'll just go down a really bad path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're in this market now and you're selling your cereals and you're kind of seeing, I'm assuming you've seen like what some other manufacturers are doing in regards to how they're labeling things and how they're kind of you know, like I know I talk to my clients about this all the time about reading labels and um, paying attention to, you know, they, they're really good at using wording or pictures that make you think, oh my gosh, this is not so bad, or this is a, this is good for me, or look at all the vitamins it has in it or whatever. So talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing in the kind of in the manufacturing space and, um, just kind of these tricks that other manufacturers are using to make people think their cereals or their products are actually good, uh, you know, like Catalina Crunch is, but they're trying to trick people into thinking theirs are equally as good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good question. Um, I mean, it's it's unfortunate, but uh, it's it's totally been a, a very interesting for me to be now, um, you know, running a bakery and running a food company and and understanding. Um, how the products are made, you know, understanding how they get labeled, um, you know, by the FDA, understanding how ingredients uh, are declared, how ingredients are made. Um, it's all been, you know, it's totally opened my eyes um, from something that I knew nothing about, uh, you know, beforehand. Uh, and so that has definitely been very interesting. I think for, for, for better and for worse, you know, I mean, there's, there definitely, what happens is the subject is, is kind of complicated by nature um, and people don't understand it completely. And so um, people as well as manufacturers rely on, uh, you know, like uh, simplifications <laughs> in order to communicate things. And then those simplifications get uh, distorted and um, uh, uh, exploited by other companies. Uh, and then the simplification, quote unquote, no longer works that well. Um, and, and then folks can get confused or they can get tricked or whatever the case may be. Um, and, and that, you know, this can be for better or for worse. So you can have ingredients that are both good, um, but then folks don't like because uh, they're using a, a certain, um, you know, a, a short way of trying to determine what's good or not. Right. And then you have the opposite. Um, so, you know, I, I can give all sorts of examples. Um, you know, maybe one interesting one is there's this idea that um, you know that that you should only buy foods from uh, ingredients that you can pronounce, right? Like so, there's this idea like just buy foods that have ingredients on the labels that you can pronounce, that are easy to say, easy to spell, um, that you understand, um, uh, uh, things like that, right? Like in whole ingredients, like oh, that is very you know is very in right now, um, and it obviously you know I think it. It makes a lot of sense. Um, it came from the perspective, though, of there being a lot of products on the market, like uh, you know, so, uh, like many of the old school cereals, for example, which one have um, artificial preservatives and artificial flavoring and artificial shelf life extenders, 
um, you know, which, which may cause harm to your body. Um, and so, and those are typically words that you don't understand. Um, like when you hear something like sodium benzoate, for example, like, you know, what is that? You know, it's not something that you're used to, to hearing. Um, and so it's, you know, it, it, in a sense, it is good to be very careful of those types of ingredients. Um, you know, it's also good. So, so, so for, if you use that rule saying, you know, only eating things you can pronounce, um, makes a lot of sense. Um, avoid sodium benzoate. Uh, you can't pronounce it. Uh, it's hard to pronounce. It looks weird. Uh, you know, avoid it. Right. Um, and then, you know, the other, the other thing is regarding eating whole ingredients and eating whole foods, quote unquote, you know, that's also come from the old school cereals and current, you know, many of the current cereals where they're not taking whole wheat um, kernels and then using the entire wheat kernel in order to make their cereal. What they're doing is, you know, wheat kernel, it looks very similar to a kernel of corn. Um, and it has uh, starch or, you know, what's kind of, you know, carbohydrates. Um, and then it has uh, fiber and it has protein. So it has fiber and protein on like the outside of the shell. And then it has starch in the inside. Um, and what the cereal companies frequently do and many, you know, bread companies and all sorts of companies, right, is they, is they take the, the wheat um, kernel and they process, they, they put it through either mechanical or chemical processes to get rid of the, to separate out the protein, the fiber, and the starch. And then they just use the starch and they don't use the protein and the fiber. Mm. And so you don't get any protein and you don't get any fiber, um, which, are, which are nutrients that your body needs and that you want. Um, but the reason they do it is because the starch um, is very, uh, it melts in your mouth. Uh, you know, protein does not melt in your mouth. Uh, it tends to kind of get a little chalky on your mouth. If you had like a protein bar, um, fiber also does not melt in your mouth. It, kind of takes longer to chew. Um, so it's easy, it's much easier to overeat and it tends to be a more delectable process when you're just eating something which is filled with starch, um, carbs. Um, and so, um, you know, eating whole foods, quote unquote, and then only eating things that you can understand uh, are great rules to live by. Um, the problem is that these rules can also get abused. Um, and then I think they can, they can cause you to to miss out on good ingredients, kind of assuming that they're bad ingredients, right? Um, so the First thing to keep note of is, is, you know, when it comes to companies saying only eat things which you can pronounce, well, you know, that's, that's a bit anti-scientific, I think. Um, you know, uh, are we not going to learn any new words? Um, are we not going to try to teach ourselves anything? Are we just going to stick to eating things that we understand and we're not going to try anything new, right? Um, <laughs> I think it's a, it's a naive, it's a, you know, it's a naive way of thinking. Um, it's an anti-scientific way of thinking. Um, and, and then, uh, yeah, you know, so it's like, okay, so we'll put uh, organic brown sugar, for example, or organic cane sugar into the product now instead of high fructose corn syrup. And, you know, th then we get to, well, okay, so maybe is organic cane sugar better than for you than high fructose corn syrup? Both of those things are 99% cane sugar. There is some vitamins and minerals that comes in organic cane sugar that doesn't come in uh, high fructose corn syrup. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of that gets, gets lost on folks that eating um, a granola bar that has, you know, 30% sugar, even if it's coming from organic cane sugar, you know, is probably not what you want to be eating a lot of, right? Um, so, you know, I think that's, that's something to understand. Um, and so kind of using this, like, uh, we only use organic ingredients, um, or we only use ingredients you can pronounce facade, but then dumping huge quantities of organic cane sugar or agave or um, 
cane juice or, or just fruits, you know, I mean, using dates, for example, like dates are very high in sugar. Sure. You can eat some dates, but if your product is your, if your protein bar is half dates, um, you're eating quite a lot of sugar uh, when you consume those things. Um, and so you got to be careful about that. Um, so, you know, I think that's, that's a way that, that can mislead folks. Um, you know, there's, there's, there, it's your point about the pictures and whatnot and the naming. Um, you know, that's something is very interesting is you see a product like, uh, um, quinoa puff, for example, um, and you assume it's made of quinoa, um, whereas in reality it might be like 30% quinoa, 30% wheat starch, and 30% corn starch, mm-hmm. for example, um, and, and 10% sugar. Um, so they're calling it quinoa puffs, but it's really a mix of three or four different things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, they're, and they can use that label in a way that, you know, yeah, sure, it's, it's slightly more quinoa than it is, you know, wheat, starch, or corn starch, but in reality, it's not even majority quinoa. Um, so yeah, these are things that, that folks can do. And so I think, you know, I think it's important to look at the label, um, to especially, especially to look at the macros themselves, you know, actually look at the, as, as, as time consuming as it can be, turn the package around, look at the amount of sugar, um, you know, look at the amount of net carbs, the amount of total carbs, like you got to do those calculations. Otherwise, these sort of like shorthand tricks, um, like eating only whole foods or eating only ingredients that you can pronounce are going to get you in trouble. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because I can't tell you the amount of people I talk to that think if they buy something from whole foods, like the store, for Mm. instance, that it must be good because Mm. they bought it at whole foods. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, And I think everything, and I, I think that a lot of what you're saying, like that mindset of well, if it's just ingredients you can pronounce and it's real food ingredients, then it must be good for you without, and I can't tell you how many products, I mean, anybody that's shopped in there can say that they go through Whole Foods and you can turn something over and yeah, it's full of sugar, but it's organic cane sugar. So it must be okay, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, these kind of like tricks and, and things that these manufacturers use to trick us into thinking. And I mean, I fell for them for years, so I'm not, pointing the finger at anybody, but it's just good to be aware. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I see a lot of folks that like they're, they're, they've talked to a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm in, I'm in Whole Foods, I'm shopping at Whole Foods. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing what's, I'm doing what's healthy, but then, you know, what are you buying? And you're getting this fruit smoothie, um, which has, you know, a, a two days worth of sugar in it, <laughs> um, exactly. or an acai bowl, which can have as much as three days worth of sugar in it. Mm-hmm. Um, y- yes, the chocolate is organic. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's, you know, it really what you're doing is a mixed bag. It's like, yes, yes, buying, uh, um, uh, you know, like a organic antioxidant chocolate, for example, can have some uh, benefits in, in the form of the antioxidants and the vitamins and the minerals that come with it. But it's also, it's also, so it's like that good stuff that's being also blended in and packaged with a whole bunch of bad stuff in the form of sugar, fructose, glucose, sucrose, and so on. Um, and so, you know, you just need to be wary. You need to be wary of that. And, uh, yeah, to your point, I have a mentor, um, who, um, runs a much larger food company. Um, and he actually, they make their products, um, you know, and they, they, it's a brand name that, that you would recognize and whatnot, every, all your listeners would recognize. Um, they make their products. They also make private label versions of their products, which is essentially to say they make their products under their own brand name, but they make the exact same products. And then rather than packaging it in their own packaging, they'll package it in the like kind of store private label packaging. Um, and in certain instances, what they find, which is interesting is the 
private label version. So like the Amazon or Whole Foods 365 version of their cookies, for example, will sell 10, 20 times more uh, quickly than their branded products will sell. Um, and, and yeah, it can be dramatic. And, and the reason, you know, is exactly to your point, people see, they, 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 they do put a lot of stock and trust in the store themselves. Um, and they think, okay, so the store is looking out for me or the store only stocks this type of stuff when no, the store, you know, that's not, that's not the case. <laughs> right. That's very interesting. Very interesting. So, um, talk to me a little bit about what are the ingredients that are in Catalina Crunch? Like what's, what makes this good as far as like the macros on these, like why as a, as a keto woman, I'm trying to keep my carbs low. I don't want to eat sugar. Um, you know, maybe I would like to have a bowl of cereal every now and then. Why should I be buying Catalina Crunch? What did you put into this that makes me want to eat this? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so you've tried it. So, you know, uh, the number yeah, one ingredient. I'll tell you, I will give you that. It is good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, so our number one ingredient is uh, uh, protein from organic uh, yellow peas. Um, and those are um, uh, farmed in, in the U.S. and Canada. Um, so that is a plant-based protein. Um, we decided to use organic pea protein as opposed to like whey protein isolate or milk protein concentrate or something like that, um, mainly because it's uh, uh, you know has much much less impact on the environment um, compared to um, getting the protein from animal sources. Um, so that's number one number one ingredient. Um, you know, I think kind of going back to the whole whole foods versus macros uh, discussion. Um, you know, some folks can get confused and they can ask like, well, you know, why is it, why, why is it keto? Like peas aren't keto. I think not understanding, you know, what pea protein is, is it's mm -hmm. protein from the yellow peas in this case. Um, it's not the whole yellow pea that we're using, right? <laughs> um, uh, and so, you know, that's, that's something that you can try actually going and doing your own baking experiments with if you go to uh, you know, Whole Foods or GNC or Vitamin Shop and buy um, some pea protein powder. Um, you can start replacing um, some of the like wheat flour in a cookie recipe, for example. Mm -hmm. And then you'll get a cookie that has a lot more protein um, and fewer carbs. Um, and so that's, you know, it's just an, an example of, um, you know, what you, what, how you can bake with or use that ingredient in your own kitchen mm -hmm. if you're interested as well. Cause that, that's how I, I started out doing it um, in, you know, right in my kitchen until we opened this bakery. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's our first ingredient. Um, and then after that, we have a blend of plant fibers. Um, so this is um, prebiotic uh, soluble corn fiber, um, mm -hmm. potato fiber, and uh, fiber from the acacia tree. Um, so these three ingredients, this, this, these are three ingredients that, again, can confuse some folks. Um, and I also think very much unfairly get a bad rep. Um, basically, the sole reason why we're using potato fiber um, is because it's 100% insoluble fiber from the peels of the potato. So it's, it's not digestible. Um, it's not going to spike your blood sugar or anything like that. Many people confuse that ingredient with potatoes themselves, which are very high in starch, high in empty carbs, um, and will you know increase your blood sugar quite a bit. So while potato is very much not keto, potato fiber is keto. I mean, it's you know it's it's. Yeah. I mean, all of this is depending on how much you eat, but um, it's 100% insoluble fiber. Interesting thing from that actually is that we eat 
a lot of potatoes and we use a lot of potatoes for French fries, um, you know, like McDonald's and, and Burger King and whatnot. Um, but they're not using the peels of the, the, the peels of the potatoes. So many peels of potatoes are just being thrown away. Mm-hmm. And so by using um, insoluble fiber from the peels of potato, we're helping to reduce food waste. Um, and we're also, you know, getting a relatively cost effective form of uh, fiber so that we don't have to spend, you know, you know, so you don't have to spend a ton of money on your on your cereal. Right. Um, and uh, so that is a is an ingredient which I which I think is really interesting. And, you know, I think some folks don't don't exactly understand, you know, ex- exactly what that is, uh, which is which is understandable, but it's good I get a chance to explain it to yeah. folks every every now and again. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, so, so then we have, so the, the corn fiber and the acacia fiber um, uh, are soluble, uh, prebiotic soluble fibers. So you have two types of fiber, right? You have insoluble fiber, you have soluble fiber. We're using, you know, the potato fiber as your insoluble fiber source, and then the soluble corn fiber and soluble um, acacia fiber is your soluble fiber sources. Um, and so both of those types of fiber are, uh, are um, kind of necessary for proper um, bowel movement and proper digestion and everything like that. Um, uh, the the um, uh, insoluble fiber tends to basically push food through your body where <laughs> um, and make you regular, whereas the soluble fiber kind of gels up inside of your body. And so it gets a lot of the gunk out of your intestines as it's going out. So you have a bunch of soluble fiber to make sure it collects all the gunk and you have the insoluble fiber to push everything out of your system. Um, so those are the next two ingredients. Um, then after that, uh, we use, um, let me think, we, oh, we use a little bit of guar gum. Um, so guar gum is a fiber and we're using it at a very low level it basically helps if you do a lot of gluten-free baking you'll be familiar with guar gum because you lose well you know this is a gluten-free cereal and so you don't have the gluten which helps to keep the gut the the your uh, dough together um, and so you need a new way to get your dough you know you need your dough to be sticky then so it'll stick together otherwise you'll never get a dough and you'll never be able to form it into your, into your squares or whatever you're trying to make. Right. Um, so that's a very popular ingredient in gluten-free baking that we use a little bit of. Um, we add, uh, a little bit of hyaluric sunflower oil. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another ingredient, which I think there's some confusion around. Um, you know, there are a lot of, uh, or a number of folks who are not interested in eating sunflower oil because it is an oil from a seed, from the sunflower seeds. And, um, you know, folks are concerned about, the ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 fatty acids inside of um, oils from seeds. Um, and what, what they don't always understand is that there are actually three types of sunflower oil. There's linoleic sunflower oil, midoleic sunflower oil, and hyoleic sunflower oil. The one we're using, hyoleic sunflower oil, is the m- most expensive, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but it also has the highest ratio of monounsaturated to polyunsaturated fatty acids. Um, so it has... Uh, a better omega-6 to 3 ratio, for example, than even extra virgin olive oil does. Um, so it's very high in monounsaturated fatty acids. I actually talked about this a little bit in a podcast a long months back. I talked a little bit about this and the difference yeah. in oils. But I also think that it's, it's important for people to understand that our omega-3 to omega-6 ratio is so off when you're looking at that from a typical diet standpoint, <clears throat> your standard American diet. But when you're ketogenic and we're focused so much on all these good oils and we're not eating these McDonald's French fries and 
you know, all of these foods that are um, fried in these omega-6 oils that, you know, are so, so bad for our bodies <clears throat> that really we, we don't want to go so far the opposite direction once we go keto and we're, and we are focused on eating better and, and staying away from these types of things that we're now neglecting the omega-6s because I think people get this idea that omega-6 is bad. Omega-6 is not bad, but bad omega-6s are bad. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I mean, I think you make a great point um, that a lot of times, you know, folks are getting, are given, or are getting, or are publishing nutrition advice, which is meant for a specific, a specific type of person, right? <laughs> and so, in this case, yeah, someone who is eating a lot of, uh, uh, you know, yeah, like uh, French fries from McDonald's, right. <laughs> you know, like you're talking about. Um, uh, so yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's a great point, um, but. Um, no, I mean, we have, we have the, uh, oil in there, um, kind of because I had felt that, you know, one of the issues with, um, low fat diets, um, is that you, you need the fat in order to help the minerals and vitamins, um, get absorbed into your bloodstream. And so Absolutely. if you're not getting a lot of fat, um, mm -hmm. you know, you're not getting, you know, that, that's a, that's a big, that can become a big problem for folks. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's why we have that ingredient in there. Um. And then let's see what else we have in there. Well, I mean, in the chocolate, we have uh, cacao powder, obviously, <laughs> um, uh, to give it the, uh, the chocolatey flavor. Mm -hmm. um, we use uh, organic monk fruit uh, to sweeten uh, the, the, the cereal so that, uh, you know, if you use just, if you eat just organic cacao powder without any sort of monk fruit, for example, uh, it tastes very bitter, you know, like the raw chocolate taste is very bitter. Um, and so chocolate really only tastes good because you're adding sugar to it. <laughs> um, and so when, when you, when we take out the sugar, we got to replace the sugar with something that's going to give sweetness. Otherwise, you know, it's going to taste like just, it's going to taste like a hundred percent like Baker's chocolate is like way too bitter, um, you know, for, for most people's palate. Um, so we have that in there. Um, we have a little bit of turmeric, um, in the cereal as well. Um, and, that's just because, you know, personally, when I got this ACL injury, I started having inflammation issues in my left knee. Um, and, you know, part of that is due to the uh, um, buildup of, of, you know, kind of destroyed um, skin and cartilage and whatnot. Um, but, you know, I've also, I also have recognized over time that, like, for example, when I drink alcohol, it gives me joint pain and things like that. And, you know, so I've, I've obviously cut back and, and, and you know, kind of learned what what causes those triggers and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, turmeric in, in particular, I think has so many uh, uh, health benefits. Um, you know, we, we don't tend to just jump on the bandwagon at Catalina and, and put some new quote unquote superfood into our cereal, for example, like just because it's new and interesting and people are talking about it. But, you know, in the case of turmeric, I think there's enough scientific evidence over, you know, uh, a more short period of time, but also like the, you know, evidence of the course of folks in Eastern cultures eating it, you know, consuming it over such a long period of time that you know, we think the, the benefits they can have regarding um, inflammation and joint pain and all these other things um, were worth including in the cereal, even though that it is something that's going to make, you know, make the cereal, make Catalina Crunch a little bit more expensive. Um, you know, we thought that was, that was worth it. Um, and so, yeah, let's see what else. I mean, we have sea salt, um, a little bit of sea salt in the product, obviously, uh, for taste. Um, and then we also use baking soda, uh, which basically helps the dough, you know, helps leaven the dough um, so that it, 
Otherwise, your crackers or cereal, if you don't use any baking soda, become really dense and really compacted. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you're baking, you use baking soda or baking powder to um, leaven and then get some get some uh, puffing, if you will. Um, so, yeah, yeah, those are those are the ingredients. So what's your favorite way? I know you said you like to eat the chocolate with some almond milk, and that's actually exactly the way one of my kids eats it. One of my other ones likes to just eat it dry they Mm. as like a snack. So Mm -hmm. what are some of your favorite ways? Oh, and then I did put some um, of the cinnamon in a little bit of Greek yogurt for one of my other kiddos, and they thought that was fantastic. Uh, Okay. What are some (laughs) of your favorite ways you can share with us, either the cereal or your new um, cheese? Do you call them cheese crisps or cheese chips? Cheese bites. Cheese Cheese bites. bites. There you go. So what are some of your favorite ways to um, use those products or that you've heard people are using them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think, um, well, personally, my favorite now has been, um, yeah, I think think using it with the standard unsweetened almond milk um, Mm -hmm. is pretty simple and easy. Um, Actually, if you're looking to get more fat, um, eating eating another really interesting thing to do is actually to blend peanut butter into the almond milk in like a in like a blender um, and then use that as the and then pour that into your bowl and then put the catalina crunch chocolate cereal on top oh and then you goodness. have like a like You've a chocolate like a peanut butter yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah you have like a reese's cups you, you know kind of breakfast wow. um and so that's another that's another possibility um you know which i think i really like when i have the time to blend those two together it's really good um, there's new, you know, there are all sorts of new milks to, to try as well. You know, there's, uh, a couple that I think are really good are macadamia nut milk. Yes. Um, you know, it is, it has like, I think a little bit of a creamier, um, texture to it than almond milk does. Um, and then believe it or not, there's this hemp milk, um, which is not sold in too many places and hemp, you know, usually doesn't sound like it's going to taste good. <laughs> but, uh, this one actually is, uh, is pretty good as well and pretty creamy. Um, so I would say those are my favorites. Um, I, yeah, yeah. As a snack, I'll eat it like at night or, you know, as like an afternoon snack out, like we have a whole bunch of Catalina crunch in the office and basically every day at 3 PM after we're starting to get a little hungry from lunch, um, we'll start munching on, uh, uh, Catalina crunch just dry in the office mm-hmm. like that. Um, so that, that I would say, you know, yeah, I mean, it, putting it on top of yogurt is another very popular thing that our, that our customers mm-hmm. do. Um, you know, I might put some, a little, a couple of berries or whatnot in there, yeah. um, put some of the cereal in there and then mix it with some, you know, like full fat Greek yogurt or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, is it, is it, we have some folks as a dessert, um, you know, you can put it on top of an ice cream. Um, so if you're buying like halo top or mm-hmm. now there's a few keto ice creams, which you can buy as well. Um, and then kind of put the, the cereal on top is more of a dessert topping. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting because the cereal is very crunchy. And that was something that I spent a long time trying to, um, like figure out (laughs) was, and I was making all of these cereal, uh, I was making all these, all the cereal in my kitchen, but I had a hard time making it like super duper crunchy. Um, and I wanted it to be really, really crunchy because I missed crunchiness. You know, I think a lot of times when you go on, when you're on keto or on a low carb eating regimen, you don't get to eat pretzels or crackers or, or, uh, like crispy cookies or like, you know, um, uh, chips, you know, all those mm-hmm. like really crunchy things. And you're instead eating like, you know, things like yogurt and cottage cheese and, you know, mm-hmm. other cheeses and, and, you know, then a lot of things that are, that are, can be more mushy, right. Eggs, for right. example, like mushy. Um, and so 
you know, eating, I think it's good to think not just about like diversity of flavor, but also diversity of texture. Um, and, you know, are you going to just eat mush all day long or do you want to get some crunchiness into your, into your, you know, mix it up a little bit. Right. Um, right. And so I spent a ton of time just trying to make the cereal as crunchy as I possibly could. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's gone a long way. Like for me personally, I really love like crunchy stuff, like, like, uh, Fritos, for example, um, which I can't eat obviously, or corn nuts. I don't know if you've, if you've had either of those at all, yeah. but like really like crunchy, crunchy stuff. Like I, I just, I love it. I love it. You know, it makes like a loud pop in your mouth when you're eating it. <laughs> um, it's really, it's a really fun thing to eat. And then, I mean, another thing is that like, it stays good in milk for a long time. Um, yeah, because it's more crunchy and it, it doesn't get like mushy and soggy like other cereals. Yeah, does. nothing's worse than like a soggy, mushy bowl of cereal. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So this has been really great information. I'm excited now. I want to try, um, especially for my kids. I want to try the. You said it's like a maple waffle flavor. Maple waffle flavor. Yep. Oh my uh -huh. gosh, right. they're gonna love that. I just know it. <laughs> I won't buy regular cereal anymore. And so while not all of my kids are low carb, I mean, I don't think kids necessarily have to be keto or low carb, but uh, yeah. I make them stay low sugar. <laughs> so okay. unfortunately yeah. that pretty much knocks out almost every cereal that they would even think about eating. Uh -huh. so, uh, this was really nice to find and they were so excited that there was cereal back in the cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. It's always, I mean, that's the, the whole point of this is, you know, to do good in people's lives and, um, you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's real tough starting and then running a business. Um, but you know, that's the, the best kind of, uh, satisfaction for me, um, is, is, is hearing from folks and knowing that they're, um, benefiting, uh, and enjoying, you know, what we have to, to bake for them. Absolutely. So where can people find Catalina Crunch now? Is it just available on your website? Do you have any plans to get it into stores? Yes, so it's just available on our website right now. Um, we're at CatalinaCrunch.com. Um, so you can go there, you can get the cereal, you can get the cheese bites, you can uh, bundle both and save um, all there. Um, we do have plans to get it into stores, um, but we are not in any stores yet. Um, so okay. it is, it, it may, you know, the store thing, it takes a long time. <laughs> you yeah, know, talking I, to I've the heard buyers and going through. That's a big process. Yes, yes it is, yes it is. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, we, uh, we should be in stores in the near future, um, but for now, you know, just on our website. Okay, well, that's awesome. I wanna just um, thank you so much for being on here today and sharing some of this great information. Where can folks find out more about you? Do you have um, other social media outlets, those type of things? Uh, me, uh, not so much, <laughs> personally, uh, but actually, if you go down, if you go to CatalinaCrunch.com, scroll down to the bottom and put mm -hmm. your email address in and sign up for our newsletter, um, I typically will write uh, once a week on topics regarding usually nutrition, but also can be like um, mental and physical performance, um, you know, mindset, things like that. Um, and so I, I love to write and then send out to our audience, uh, you know, what I'm learning and finding interesting um, in the in in these sorts of areas of, of interest of mine. So that's probably the best way to hear from me. Okay, that's awesome. All right, Krishna. Well, it has been great to have you on here. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing all this great information with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode.